We are not millennials. We are matured. Brought up on collaboration as an art form. Delivered as value. I'm so old. Is that what it is? It is, yeah. 90 episodes. You fed up with it already? No, not at all. Ah, you're auditioning for Macbeth. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of feel we had this discussion already. We had this conversation already somewhere like 10 minutes ago when you. Don't do it again. Again! (laughs) Forgot to press the record button. Ah. We must stop having whiskey before we start. Oh, we had not enough whiskey before, before we, start. we started. Well, yeah, one or the other. Yeah. Then you could do a really impression of one of the witches from uh, Macbeth. Macbeth's got witches? Macbeth's got witches, oh, I believe. Cool. Macbeth's got witches, yes. Okay. okay we okay, actually okay. went through this earlier, didn't we? Not the first time we read not, it. We were we, yeah, we trying to work no. out how very little we know about Macbeth and Shakespeare and all that exactly. kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's not what you come here to listen to. You come here to listen to two awesome consultants standing at a bar talking crap. Exactly. And we actually had a really nice um, r- review or ni- some, pe- some person said some really <laughs> nice words. We did. Yes. yes. A bit of a shout out uh, for, um, um, of course, the name was just shot straight out of my head for Bradley. Yes, Bradley, my man. Who, uh, he actually said, thanks for the great feedback, brother. You two make it easy to write with your fantastic podcast. So Bradley actually writes a lot of the blogs that I create. And so I send him the podcast. And oh, so we pay him. <laughs> oh, okay. So no. now it doesn't feel that sincere it anymore. Is, it is very no, good because no. he could, doesn't have to say it at all. But he says, I've done a lot of pod to blog work. Pods to blog work. That's interesting, that's cool. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Uh, with tons of clients. And you guys are at the top by putting a lot of technical information and strategy into funny wit and humor. So, Bradley, if you listen to this one, mate, thank you very much for the compliment. It went down very well indeed. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll put that one in my pocket. Yes. Put it away, my friend. Yes, good. Put it away. Well, I mean, the last three months we've had over averaging over a thousand listeners a month. Wow. So cool, many people, so many hours wasted. <laughs> With nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in to our amazing podcast, which um, I always enjoy doing every time, even just now when we were preparing for this episode, because, yes, for the last 20 episodes, we've been preparing our episodes, um, and you even gave me some gold nuggets uh, before we even started. That's true. I try my best to give gold nuggets all the time, mm-hmm. all part of the fun. So actually, this is take three, not just take two, because we actually started this podcast on Tuesday last week. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> true, 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 true. So those of you that actually uh, listen to us regularly know that I'm already late recording this or mixing this down because mm-hmm. it should normally have been released over the weekend, but today's the Monday after the weekend, because Marina and I went 
last Tuesday to a great whiskey tasting, actually. We did. We yeah. tasted the Wolfbane. Wolfburn. Wolfburn. Yes. Yes, that little stream that feeds a wonderful whiskey. A couple mm-hmm. of guys. We had the story, the history, and uh, we tasted seven of their whiskeys in the end. Yeah, exactly. Which was rather yeah. cool. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it, so we it, started recording, and then the food arrived, so we stopped recording, and then we ran out of time to finish it, so then we decided to start all over again. And then I now just decided not to press the record button. So this is really going to be special tonight. Yeah, we had so many rehearsals. So yeah. many rehearsals. <laughs> but going on from 90, uh, it will be twenty epi- 10 episodes. 10 episodes left, so that's more or less five months. So that means May, Autumn June, time. July, August, September. So yeah, that will be October-ish when we get to episode 100. So that yes. would be in time maybe... For Ignite. If it doesn't stay virtual. If it doesn't stay virtual. um, But if not, we will find somewhere special to record our 100th episode. My missus is already convinced that I'm going to say we're going to Japan. Hmm. Hmm. Would be a good time of year to go. Uh, Yes. It's always a good time to go, I think. That's true. That's very, very true. But also, Collab Days uh, is also in October. Collab Days Belgium. So that might also be a good uh, moment for us, although only like 15% of our listeners actually come from Belgium. True. Um, So, well, we'll see. None come from Japan. So I think we should make it a marketing tour of Japan and record a bunch of podcasts. Yes, I think that is a perfect, good explanation for the tax man. Saying yep. we need to go to Japan on taxman's dollars. Grow our market share. Because we need to grow our market share. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Being a businessman is so easy and fun, isn't it? Talking about Japan, me and the missus have been enjoying the se- the first season of Old Enough on Netflix. Old Enough. Old Enough, yes. So, you know, in Japan, they're all very... Um, how do you say that? They're all very nice people that want to contribute to family. Family is a big thing, and they all want to contribute to family. Um, and that starts at a really young age. So Old Enough is a uh, kind of a reality program where they're following two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds who are going to go out for the first time on their own and do chores for mommy and daddy. So that means wow. getting a three-year-old who needs to walk one and a half kilometer to the supermarket, buy three things, go to another store to get something else, and then walk back all on their own. It is beautiful. It is terrifying. It is funny. It is, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it is weird. It is, it's wonderful. So the man that sounded like Macbeth at the beginning of this podcast is recommending that you watch this program where three-year-olds risk getting killed, getting their mother's yes. shopping from the supermarket. Yes. It, is, it, is, it is just crazy. <laughs> Netflix have a lot to answer for. No, no. So I, th- this has been running for years in Japan and it, wow. is, it is super popular there. And now just Netflix bought the rights to... Uh, Old enough. All right, I'll watch at least one episode. We'll see where we go. Do you want to talk something Microsoft 365 or tech-ish? Yes, 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 yes. yes. You don't want to talk about the rather wonderful whiskey we're going to be tasting later? Hmm. 
No, let's not. Mm. We'll tease people mm. with it later. Mm. All right. So I came up with this weird idea by telephone the other day when I said to you, hey, let's talk about workforce. Yes. And, and then you I actually, came up- you said that uh, you texted me this morning saying, let's build a workforce. Let's build a workforce. Yes. How to build a workforce before you... Before you build a workforce, talking about all the stages. I I actually had that talk when I was around 10 years old. I had a really nice biology teacher telling me how you build a new workforce. Workforce. Okay, nice. So, yeah, so I I thought, okay, maybe maybe we need to. Sorry? How nice was the biology teacher? Uh, it was actually a, no, actually, it was we'll actually a nun. A nun. <laughs> yes. So even then, I kind of had my reservations about the quality of the content, but still. All right. Um, anyway, yes. So my auto-filling spelling software on my Android phone decided to convert workflow to workforce, which okay. confused Moraine for quite a while. Yes. Especially as I started listing all the things that we could talk about. What we want <laughs> life to cycle occur. management. Yes, life of course. Management. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> when they're old, they need to get a pension. Yes. Okay. Anyway, but you wanted to talk about how to build a workflow. A workflow was the way good. forward. Yes. So I thought it would be a good idea to start bringing some of the skills that we have we did all the change work we talk about baseline governance and governance itself generally and of course before you start typing in my code or no code or making some of those selections if you're going to make a workflow work there's a lot of things that you need to get right first so i thought it would make an interesting conversation Mm -hmm. to do that and as we're already 10 minutes in and we haven't started yet but that's quite (gasps) normal it was funny. No, it was uh, funny. No, it, it was, was funny. yes. Mm-hmm. And if we include the 20 minutes we've already lost because I didn't press record, <laughs> uh, then uh, we've got a long night ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we uh, yeah. our original idea was to kind of come up with a bunch of questions like, what do you say to the user that says, I want to build a workflow? Mm-hmm. And you say, are you sure it's a workflow, not a workforce? Oh, it is a <laughs> workflow, so that's good. All right. Um, and so I want to start off with, with the talk, okay? Because... You know, it's amazing that these people, well, actually what most people will have done is they've already started working, building the workflow and then find it doesn't work. Yes. Because, you know, they just read their YouTube, they watch a YouTube video and read a few blogs and go, this is easy. Just to say that Microsoft, yeah. just the way that Microsoft sell it's it. no code. I don't even need to be a developer. Let's no. just start clicking around. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wonder why Microsoft have not actually been sued for that statement, you know, no-code development. I mean, in its own right, it's kind of wrong, isn't it? You know, no-code, but it is development. Yeah. That, which is completely... But that's in the same thing as building a house is also development, so... That's yeah. true, too. Yeah. yeah, it's strange. Anyway, the talk. Um, so one of the first things that I do very much is kind of make sure that I've got a, a little hour... Nothing more than that. doesn't need to be a big thing. I'm not mm. going to take down all the triggers and outputs and inputs at this point of You're the You're not going to go deep in the requirements. No, absolutely no. not. Okay. Uh, if we're running Agile, of course, requirements are always uh, interesting. And there are, to be fair to the user or to be unfair to the user, 60% of the people that come to you and say, I need a workflow, don't really need a workflow. They just think they need a workflow. Because really what they need is just to be able to see their documents in a different kind of way. Yeah. You know, they need to be able to say, hey, look, when I filled this document out, 
Johnny then needs to kind of add this piece onto that document. And so, yeah, but I can do that with the library. We'll just change the status in the view. And, yeah. you know, so it's not, it's a flow of information. Or an, but a notification here and yeah, there. Yeah, so that's like that. really yeah. kind of no code. Okay. But anyway, generally, if I was sitting there having that conversation, uh, the word baseline comes into everything here because everything from this initial talk could be scrapped or it could actually be really important to the process. You never know this yet because you haven't had the thought process. You haven't had the moment when you sit down and you try to review what you've been told by the user. So in that first talk with the user, in that first hour, I, I normally like to try and get a number of things. Does this work for you the same way? When people say, hey, yeah. come and build yeah. a workflow? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you first need to... like scope it like how much work is this going to be is this going to be a huge thing is is it um, if i need to build it am i going to go over my head because i'm not a power automate expert or so is this something that we need to get a team for is this something that i can build for you in in an hour let's just sit together i'll open it up like i do with sharepoint and teams all the time i'll just open up a demo site and uh, let's build it together and see what is what so how far is this going to go? Yeah, okay. So what I, what I like to think about is certainly the scope. So what is it defined to deliver? You know, yeah. this workflow will ensure that um, this innovation idea has passed by the appropriate gates to decide whether or not the company will move it forward as a valid idea. As a top of my head. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the first thing that I often think about is that kind of business case. So just a baseline business case of, you know, identify, okay, so it's going to involve five or six people. So the document has got to move five or six through my five or six stages. Um, are they all on the same site? Do I need to build a site to run the workflow because I actually want it to, to run? Oh, yeah. That's um, a good one. Yeah. All right. You know, so these are just the top 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 of my head. Does it yeah. actually need to run on a phone? Does it actually, you know, what, what are the requirements? Just get a, an idea of a baseline business case for it. Is it going to save money or is it going to be, you know, cost more money? Um, what kind of tools might I use? Is it an Excel spreadsheet? You know, is it just, is it a list? Is it a... You know, is it actually Power Apps? Is it um, Logic Apps? Is it, you know, just a rough right idea before yeah. I move forward? Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, then the, the dollar sign. Yeah. Um, because you kind of need to be able to go 10 days, 15 days, you know. Yeah. Because at some point, you've just had a conversation with the end user, and the end user thinks that everything is easy. It's just a <laughs> yes, workflow. Yes. I'll read it's this it's thing just an approval for five people. Yes. Like, come on. <laughs> I saw I saw this YouTube video and they were explaining it in twenty minutes. That's so true. So why would you need three days to do it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Exactly. So the talk for me is is really kind of important. Yeah. And don't tell my users, but then I will forget to get back to them for a week. <laughs> just to see if they really really want it you yeah. see you've been or, there or if they couldn't figure it out watching that youtube video by themselves <laughs> yes <laughs> no but it's it's true give them time to to think about it and i usually give them okay who, who's is your boss into this has he got buy into this has, yeah. he, has your boss's boss got buy into this it'd be good if next time we meet we get some idea that you know 
they understand where's the money coming from. So yeah. the sales process, you yeah. know. Uh, yes, I'd like to buy these seven widgets. That's cool. Do you have five grand in your budget now? Yeah, yeah, we're all covered. Okay, so who's approving that for you? know, there's always in a sales process, you make sure the money's there before you move forward. In this case, it's a similar, a similar kind of thing. So the talk yeah. for me is always kind of the first thing, at which point I then put a one-pager together and write mm -hmm. back and say, look, yeah. this, is, this is what it's going to scope. This is the scope of what it's supposed to deliver. And then I might put, that means this and this and this and this, you know, yes. a budget. It yeah. means that we need to involve these people. It means yeah. that, you know. If we need to talk to a separate system, it means that we need to interface with that system. Exactly. Those yeah. are the kinds of things you're trying to highlight. Mm -hmm. And you won't get them all because the story the second time around will be different. Yes. When you talk to them next time because they yeah. will have forgot stuff that is important to you, but they <laughs> kind of... Yeah. <laughs> Been there. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You can always tell the consultants that have been around this game because they it's not that they know the right questions to ask, they just there's a feeling, isn't there, when you go, Yeah, I think I've got everything out of your head at this point in time now that you you know about. You start to get questions, you start to ask questions, and they go kind Blank. of glistened <laughs> eyes, and you go, Okay, yeah, I need to go away and think about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah, so that's that's the first stage for me is always to yes. have that talk, get it a brief document together, start the scope off, uh, yeah. understand where the money's coming mm -hmm. from. And then um, you may want to give that one pager. You, you might want to have that signed off by the person that's actually going to pay for it or you might want to run it with your team or you might want to run it with your... I don't know. Other decision makers? Like yeah, there's usually a project model around somewhere, isn't there? And, um, you know, your own workload needs to be assessed. If you're, if you're yeah. an organization that is kind of running agile type stuff, mm -hmm. it's not going to go anywhere. It's not that you're going to drop everything to, to work on it. It needs to go into the backlog to be listed. And, and if you're in a waterfall situation or if you're in a PMO kind of organization... Uh, or, you know, you've got your operational stuff to do and all those kinds of things. So it needs to be prioritized um, at some point in time. Um, maybe there's some business analysts involved or maybe there's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, yep. it's a, it really is that now is that thinking kind of process to kind of just get everything everything down and, yeah. and listed. What, what do we want to have and what's going to be the rough estimate of scope of and money? And yeah, exactly. So business case, first step. Absolutely. Great. No, and then, that's pretty cool. Um, we, we wrote down next to it a few really good uh, things that you also need to take into consideration if you're going to go forward with this. Yeah, I think, I think um, th those items up on there are around if it's one particular kind of, of uh, workflow. But it all depends on what the workflow scope is. So if it's, yes. if it's a workflow that is going to move internal content around it's a it's a business workflow then it has a certain amount of scope if it's a workflow that's going to be sent out to 40,000 customers or 4,000 customers or, or even 200 customers then you need to take a different approach to that workflow if mm. it's just moving a document around internally between five or six departments then the, the kinds of questions you ask are, are a lot different yeah. and the ownership is different than if you're going to build a, a marketing app for the marketing team to, mm -hmm. you know, sort of sell product through or to 
build a community of interest or or whatever they're doing. Sure. So there will be different kinds of questions to ask. Yeah. So and let's let's it, assume it's a big app. Yeah. For now. Exactly. So uh, the first big question around that is indeed like who's going to be the owner uh, of the app? Is it going to be IT that needs to own it? That needs to be delivering support later on if something goes wrong, if Microsoft decides to change Power App or to change a certain step that they need to uh, handle all those changes? Uh, or is it going to be uh, a business department? Is it going to be a local IT? Um, yeah, so that's that's definitely a good question. Well, it needs to have one person as the owner, I think, or a role in the company. So yeah. If in my mind, if it's that marketing app where they're mm -hmm. building a community of interest for the business, then it's the marketing director that owns this. And and he, even if he's not paying for it, he needs to understand that he will be the person that has to decide its direction and approve changes and updates and, and funding. That you know, there's there's always a long term story to any kind of workflow or tool that you build. Yeah. So, so the owner is really important. So you, you're right. If it's going to be a corporate app, then IT generally own it, or somebody within IT, the software director or, or software manager, certainly does that. Because there are all kinds of different risks associated with that kind of kind of tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they need absolutely. to be managed in in a lot different way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But if our business needs change. What if the market changes? What if Microsoft changes the product? And as you said, what about new features that people want to get added? So it's that one person, that one role that needs to decide on these things. Somebody certainly needs to own it. It yeah. can't be owned by a, a team or, it, well, I suppose it could be, but it, the, at the end of the day, there'll be a team manager. So mm -hmm. ultimately, the responsibility yeah. lies there. So the risk associated with these kinds of things is, you know, uh, if if I have an app out there with 400 of my customers and the app fails, then uh, there's a whole sort of, hey, this company's crap. They can't even run their own apps. They mm -hmm. can't even do their own thing. Yeah. If the app never gets updated, there's a perception that your customers... So those kinds of things need to be done. And, and of course, as consultants, you need to make sure that the client understands this, you know? Yeah. You know, I, the amount of times... now I say the amount of times. At least half a dozen times I've had, yeah, yeah, I want to be able to get this information out to our customers. So the easiest way is to... I can either keep emailing it or I can put an app together and they can log on and do it. Okay, well, the email is kind of under your control. It's simple. It works every time. So that's fine. But if mm -hmm. it's an app, it's a great idea. It allows us to have a lot of, you know, it's a baseline to build from in terms of building up. But you also need a communications plan. You need to manage that. And you mentioned earlier about compliance on this kinds of stuff. Yep. There's a big question about... If you're a bank, if you're in healthcare, if you're in talking with external parties, if you're communicating with customers or, or whatever. Um, okay, so the dog just switched positions and he doesn't look very... He looks very comfortable, but it doesn't look like a comfortable position. Looks like it's had its head chopped off, doesn't she? <laughs> yes. She looks like she's been beheaded as a guillotine. <laughs> oh, yeah. part of the fun. Mm. Um, so, but so, actually, yeah. no, It's uh, what you said is, is brilliant. Like, if do you want your customers or suppliers to go to your app in order to know something. I was walking to the supermarket earlier and I was walking next to the bus stop and on the bus stop there was this sign saying if you want to know when your bus is coming or if you want to know if there's any 
uh, delays or roadworks log into our app. And I was thinking, what a piece of crap. What, what, wouldn't it be cool if there would just be an app, like an augmented reality app, where I would just be walking on the street and I would just see all kinds of information from all these services instead of logging onto the bus application app, logging onto the restaurant app, logging onto the whatever app, to just have it all come to me and just decide if I want to do anything with it or not. It's called Google. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Another another idea that Moraine finally hit on. But it, years it is late. a billion dollar idea. It's a billion dollar <laughs> idea. That is very very true. Mm, but but okay. that kind of stuff certainly needs to be considered. The yes. the audience, the support, audience the support. Compliance. Actually, of course, you know, yeah. you need to make sure that when somebody reports in a, when I look at those apps on Google and I go look at some of the responses, you know, I emailed them off and nobody's come back to me. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's neat. So, yeah, there's one kind of story for one kind of app. And that's why that initial talk is just about getting the baseline in. Yes. You know, yes. And, and trust me, when they say, yeah, we want it for 40,000 people, you've got to stop yourself getting down the rabbit hole of, with this customer about what this app's going to do. At this point in time, that first talk conversation mm-hmm. is not. Yeah. Let's talk about the other kind of app, which is... Um, you know, a, a, an internal process, a, a kind of real workflow. This is where you have to try and read my handwriting. Yes. So I complain about yours, but yours is very clear. It's sexy, you know that? You've got sexy handwriting, brother. <laughs> Tell that to my teacher in, in second grade who said my handwriting was terrible. But anyway. My handwriting um, was so bad that the art teacher had gave me special lessons at lunchtime on how to write proper, neat handwriting when I was about 12 years old. Okay. Wignall. Miss Wignall. Miss Wignall. The art teacher. Okay. Okay, right. okay, okay. So cool. internal so process. Internal, yes. so, and, and the thing about this is that there are a few big kind of apps and big kind of workflows and processes, but there's lots of smaller internal yes. beneficial processes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, some of the questions I ask when it gets to this kind of thing is is lifetime cost. It's so important to understand whether this thing is going to be around for a year or yeah, 10 years. Exactly. Because there's a big difference on how you build it and how you put the foundations in for it and, you know, the support of it and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But also your ROI is also different. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, if you've got a, some, a lifetime cost, like, a, hey, we, we want to build a workflow that will do annual leave for the organization, mm-hmm. that's something that's going to be there forever. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, so let's invest a good app here that will allow us to and do this and do that because we know this is not going to get changed for, for forever. And then mm-hmm. there are all kinds of other implications on those kinds of longer term things like legacy and whether it's, you know, what you're going to build it on and will that platform be there forever. Yeah. You know, otherwise you if you build it in Power Platform, for example, you know, and there's a few upgrades over the next few years, you could end up actually having quite a lot of uh, cost associated for the mm-hmm. lifetime of that app. Um, so, yeah, something that needs to be there. The other thing I always ask is, OK, so we're going to build this app. What do you do now? How do you do this today? And therefore, why do you want to change it? Yeah. So what what's going to be the yeah return um, the value, the value, on, yeah. Versus how you do it now and and how you want to do it in the future, and that yeah. might be 
uh, cost saving, that might be time saving, but that might also be around compliance and, and, and other kinds it of things. It could reasons. well be. Yeah. It could easily be. You know, the question is kind of, you know, what are we going to remove then? So we build this and we invest mm -hmm. some time and money. So what are we taking out? Yeah. Because every time I have a new app, I have new backups, new support, new tickets that I need to do. There's so many things that you need to do. It's a bit like rolling out Microsoft 365. Yes, you need a ticket to report your Microsoft Teams problem. And yes, you need a ticket to report your OneDrive problem. And mm -hmm. oh, you got a SharePoint, you need a SharePoint ticket to, to report that. So, you know, I roll out a new service. Yes, check, 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 done. Oh, just a minute. I need to make sure the help desk is geared up and I need to make sure the tickets are available to report it and all sure. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's exactly the same with the kind of workflow. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yes, and then thinking about uh, the night of, of support to do. Yeah. Um, you also said something something else earlier, like um, uh, if we're going to build a, a leaf app for the whole organization, um, do we actually want to build that app or do we want to buy something that's already available on the market? Well, at, at this point in time, we're still collecting data, aren't we? We're not really making decisions. Well, that, yes, no, I think I'm right. So... Our initial talk, that gets us into a kind of process that's, hey, this is a big app and therefore we need to have a big app conversation. Or it's an internal app, so we need we to have need an internal conversation. We need to have the big boy conversation, yes. yes. <laughs> the big pants conversation, yes. <laughs> that's true. But, but it is very valid, isn't it? That, you know, we're still talking. We're still collecting data at this point in time. Um, we're just trying to work it out. And one of them, as you say, is that as you're going through this process, um, the decision at some point is whether you build it or whether you buy it. Yeah. Um, and that, there are pluses and minuses to both, yeah? Can, oh, yeah. I, I'm working on a, a project at the moment and trying to change people into Microsoft 365. Therefore, you need to do Office 365 on the desktop. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of the add-ons don't work on the Office 365 anymore. So then I have to create office 2016 for some people that need to use this app because the supplier stopped supporting it eight years ago and all that yeah. kind of stuff so mm -hmm. you don't really want to buy something that's only got a limited amount of time so if you are going to buy it then you need to buy it from a kind of big professional company that will look after it True. if you're going to build it you need to accept that you know yeah but for example i've got a smaller customer and um, 60 people, and they said, okay, we need some kind of help desk application. So are we now just going to create some kind of shared mailbox for the three people that do IT work? Or are we going to go with a paid application or a, maybe a free tier of... of Zendesk. A, yeah, yeah <laughs> something like that. So, or ServiceNow, um, I mean, depending on what yeah. the money you want to spend. I mean, for three people, I think ServiceNow would be a perfect purchase. You know, uh, it'll never go wrong. It's always supported, always accessible. Web. It's rock solid for three people. Oh, you mean it's going to cost them two thousand euros per person per month? Ah, yeah. Ah, might not be right. No. All right. So let's just recap where mm -hmm. we're at. So we, mm -hmm. we we've somebody wants to build a workflow, or they worked out what it is. We know whether it's going to fit into one category or another category based upon things like number of users, internal or external yeah. users, mm -hmm. you know, the kind of support, who's mm -hmm. going to own it, who's not going to own it, that kind of stuff. So we get to the point now where we're thinking, um, all right, we need to move this forward. It's all been signed off. You've got kind of approval. You're now not dealing with one person anymore, of course. There's a small team putting this together for any of them. 
doesn't really yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, we have to think about our ad car stuff. Yeah, yes. We actually do need to think about the change process associated with both of them, and they'll be bigger or smaller depending on, on what needs to be done, which mm-hmm. is cool. So I guess we're probably at the point where we, we think about what platform we're going to build this on, unless we're buying it, of course. But assuming that we're building this, then we need to kind of think about that kind of stuff. Um, that's true. He's pointing Don't, something out very yeah, subtly. Yeah, because we're, we're now going straight into solution mode. But actually, what <laughs> we first need to do is, and that's actually where I go wrong often, and where you always correct me, so I'm That's really true. happy that I can do that for once, yep. is actually do a deep Rain dive on wins. the... Rain wins, yeah! I do a deep dive on, on the requirements. Yeah. So really get those requirements straight. Um, if we're doing it in Agile, as you always say, stories, features, um, yeah, make sure that you get those. Um, yeah. No, that's true. And it's going to be the same for, for either of them. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're going to do it something small, if you're going to do it something big, it doesn't matter. There's just more of them to deal with. Um, and most of it will be based upon risk. So yes. if it's an internal application, okay, we might lose a bit of you know uh, respect if the thing collapses after two days. Uh, but at least it's not going to necessarily you know, take cost the company, customers, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, but yes, you're right. We need to think about requirements. We need to think about user stories. Um, and we need to get to the point where we can um, c- work out what features are going to be part of this workflow uh, or application. And then there's all the kind of ancillary stuff around it, processes like test plans and, um, you know, quality control, Mm-hmm. Um, documentation documentation yeah. processes for go no go how often does it need to be updated who's actually going to own it and, and decide are IT taking this on as a corporate app we already talked yeah. about that there'll be a set of processes for that SLAs <clears throat> exactly yeah and at this point we decide to move on now <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I see there's some interesting points that I kind of think about here but kind of think about them myself and not really share them because depending How on nice of you no well <laughs> it, it's kind of really a yeah. a personal kind of butt check you know i want to kind of make sure that i'm not going to lose face on this at the end of the day if i'm mm-hmm. running this project yeah. even the team that's running it needs to know that we can do this so what's going to show you that this organization is capable so it's worth at this point looking at what apps they already support and how well they support them. Do they keep going down? Do they stay up? Do they get changed regularly? Mm-hmm. Have a look at the change process. Is it a process that they can regularly do updates and they do them satisfactory and those processes run? If they don't, quite honestly, they may not. You know? Yeah, if sure. Then, yeah, yeah. then maybe it's, you think about outsourcing. Maybe yes. you say, look, okay, marketing department, need this app but it needs to be outside and it needs to be up all the time but if i look at the way that our processes need some work on and that how difficult it is to get things through change control and da 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 then as a consultant i would consider those options and go you know guys it might be better to just outsource the app i know there are compliancy and audience and all that kind of stuff deals so you end up bringing legal in and things but end of the day you're trying to create an app that is stable delivering the scope 
easily updatable, no. you know. And you might have some really good contracts with some nearshore or off or offshore development company that's really all about building these kind of applications. Yep. Uh, so you need to kind of look at the best way to move on to those next steps. There's no mm -hmm. doubt about that. Um, but yeah, so I quietly kind of just do a, a little assessment of the the risks associated with the decisions yeah. that you're about to make. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to create a document. And that document is going to include all the information you collected from the first chat, uh, the information that you've kind of, uh, the processes, the, the refinements and requirements and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that you can tick off some boxes and say, okay, we've, we're done. Yeah. We're done. At some point. Mm -hmm. So what have we missed? Are we now ready to rock and roll and ready to build? Uh, well, we do, as you said, uh, need to decide uh, where are we going to build this. Correct. What, so, what's the best environment for it? Yeah, exactly. So on the one hand, we've got Power Automate, which is your end-user productivity automation. And we've got Logic Apps. Have, have you actually ever met an end-user that can actually build a workflow in Power Automate? Uh, yes, I've seen a few. Yeah. Working for IT? Uh, no. Finance then? Uh, no. Ooh. Not at all. No, I've, I've had a few engineering guys. And I had some uh, marketing people as well. No, okay, no, that's cool. Yeah, so Power Apps, Power Automate rather is one, or Power Apps is that choice. So we've got Logic Apps, and we've got Logic Apps, which is your Power Automate running on Azure. Um, should be your more um, mature uh, system. Um, and what I had, uh, or what I heard from a few organizations. What I told you earlier before we started recording as well. Wow. Child, you let me take that other knife out my shoulders. No, 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 no. It was way before we started recording, actually, when we were Building drawing up notes. everything on the board. Um, how uh, uh, some uh, organizations approach this, and this might also help some of our listeners when they are trying to build some kind of governance for this, is that uh, a lot of companies are using Power Automate for end user work so they say okay uh, dear end users you can do your no code low code personal productivity stuff um, and you can do that on power automate so those would be uh, workflows owned by you maybe not supported by it maybe supported by it that's what you can decide for yourself for your organization uh, but that's power automate that will be the stuff that your end users will build if it's going to be run by IT, if IT is going to be the owner, we're going to build it in Logic Apps. We will use some service accounts, principal accounts uh, for that. But that way, uh, we know it's running Logic Apps. We can do all the uh, maintenance. We can do all the um, uh, reporting on it and stuff like that. Uh, so that's how a bunch of organizations do it that's how they make the distinction logic apps versus power automate yeah i don't really agree with that i know you don't you're not you're not going to build a document-based workflow in logic apps why not because it's kind of an overkill i mean it literally is sledgehammer and walnut you know i don't know uh, to be honest i have never built something in logic apps so i don't know what it can or can't do and that um, alone is the, the justification for not building simple workflows in Logic Apps. 
No, but it's in that true. you need no. specialist people to be able to build it. So, you know, that, that internal process we talked about earlier in our app, I think you build the platform that, that suits all of the requirements. And your governance has to be flexible enough to make sure that you get the best value and the best investment. Yes. Logic apps will cost more money to build. Uh, probably, probably, but um, logic gaps will be your more heavy, mature workflows, while Power Automate will be your uh, notify me or do a simple approval or something. Maybe, but the point is that if you have a governance that says these apps are going to be developed in this way and these apps are going to be developed in that way, mm -hmm. then you need to have a very, very clear idea of the kind of workflow that you're going to use in the organization Yes, And you're also limiting, therefore, the capability of what they can do. Because nobody will want to invest in building a logic app. It, it's How can I explain this? I, th I think there's some logic in what you're saying, first of all. I think you're right. Ooh. I think that... No, 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 no. No, no, no. I, I, I think that you can put a clear, distinctive line that says, look, anything that is going to run against a personal account on a SharePoint site... Okay, with users using Power Automate, you need to manage it and support it yourself to an extent. But not many people can build their own Power App. I said to, do you, I said to you earlier, do you know anybody that's built it? And you went, a few. Mm -hmm. Whereas there are a lot of processes that need to be done at that local end that do need to be supported by IT that will make sense to build them in Power Automate. Yes quite honestly. Yeah. So that question that we need to kind of pull together is from that initial talk, that baseline is where we need to provide the evidences that support our baseline decisions. And if they don't, then we we have to change that baseline decision. So yeah. we will expand it into whatever the requirements and needs are from the business, not technical. So I think I agree with you in essence that there's a great dividing line. You know, Logic mm -hmm. Apps is great for yeah. corporate applications, but not for six people. It needs to be a corporate application for large numbers. I, and also yes. IT need to then take on that process and support it and do the upgrades and manage the process. And the business need to understand that their IT budget is just going to go up because it's being supported and monitored by IT. Mm -hmm. So there will be implications. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm actually reading for the, about the fourth time now because it's just such a great book. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide. No. No. And, and of no. course, it's um, the bloody title has just gone straight out of my head. As so I'm it's a business it. book. It or, is a, okay. Yeah. I, there's yeah. only one business book that I read on a regular basis. And um, I can find it here on my reading app. Uh, the Phoenix Project. Okay. I don't know whether you've ever read it or not. No. But it is well worth well worth a read. Tell it me basically about talks it. about how an IT operations IT department does DevOps. Mm -hmm. And it starts off with this guy taking over the role of the director because he got fired. Is that one of those romance business books? That, is that how you no, no, no it? romance, but Rome, uh, how do you call Role model I don't know what you call no, it. No, no, actually written in a... In, in a it's a story. In, as a story, exactly. Yeah. But it, it's a very good one. And of course, like all of the best ones, it's 25 years old or something, yes. 20 years old. Yes. But it, it just reminds me of the game we play, mm -hmm. you know. And there's this kind of weirdo guy dressed in a T-shirt that the, the, the hero of our story mistakes for the guy delivering the donuts. But, but he, he 
basically says that any of these processes and what we're talking about here is just the same as if you're building a car or it's the process for the organization. You get stuff coming in and you get stuff going out mm -hmm. and it's the bit in the middle that's important. Yes. And, and it's the same thing here. So when we have that talk, we talk about that what's coming in and when we kind of get our scope and we're trying to work out how to get to the end of it. It's, uh, but it's a great book. If you haven't read it, Phoenix Project, it will make you think whoever you are, whatever you do about your IT services. And it's just funny. I mean, you know, they talk about businesses saying, yes, we're going to launch it two weeks time because, because they said so. They haven't even got the VMs up and running. They've not done any testing. They've not gone. Oh, and you know it's going to fail. And you're starting to feel for the guy that he gets landed on, you know. <laughs> he, there's a guy that goes, yeah, but I've got these 75 projects and we only have 60 people in the organization. And the, the management just go, I don't want to hear it. Just get on and fix it. Yeah, yeah, and, and that so, sounds pretty accurate, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it is. And of course, the story starts to pan out eventually, and you get the whole DevOps story, and he, he learns about different kinds of work. Highly recommend it. It's good fun. I don't read business books. They're boring as crap. But this one, it's, it's one of the few that's okay. worth a read. But I was thinking the same thing. So when, so when you're actually looking at where these things are going to go, you want it to succeed. you mm -hmm. know. And if we take the old Adcar stuff, you know, the awareness and the desire to succeed is important and the knowledge is even more important because you've got to make sure that whatever tool you choose and whatever <clears throat> environment you choose to build it on actually needs to be sorted out. It's that time already. Mm -hmm. We've got a stranger in the house, have we? Yes. Okay. We have a ghost running around. Nah. Okay, cool, cool. So, yes, I think it's, uh, I think it's an interesting process. I quite enjoyed these steps i enjoy them when i'm doing them for real it's yep. it's the real fun for me i mean it's uh you know yes when we build the sharepoint site we want to be able to do this and automate that and automate course, this and, yeah. and make because that work just the document repository by itself is nine times out of ten not your end goal nope no, and of course, we, we talked about content ty types about 10 episodes ago. You know, that's all part of the foundation that allows you to build those kinds of things on. And you talked about governance for Power Apps and, and Logic Apps and all those kinds of things. You're right. You need that kind of governance and those decisions in place so that you can kind of at least fit this in there and somehow and make sure that it's going to be managed. Yeah. But. 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 I absolutely guarantee that even if everything we've talked about today is put into place and managed and coordinated and everything else, you will still end up with people building their own workflows that you don't know about that you will end up having to fix at some stage during some migration or upgrade. You yes. know, your upgrade Power Apps and you put in some new features or Microsoft depreciates something you know, and then all of a sudden you get a phone call to say, I don't get these printed documents anymore, or I don't receive approvals for that funding anymore. And of course, you've got no idea what's happened. So it's an interesting process. Yeah, it is. That's true. You can, of course, track all of these things. You can actually yes. see with Power Apps, there's a lot yep. of good reporting tools. Yeah. So your governance potentially would turn out and say something like maybe. Um, on a monthly basis, we will assess the workflows that are working. Any workflow that goes over this kind of run number, say 25 times a month, 
then that workflow will uh, have to be registered with the IT department if you want yeah. to maintain some support. If it does so many runs or if it has so many failures every month, then yeah. uh, we'll need to take a look at it. Yeah, so maybe there are some tools out there around this process that you can make some use of that allows you at least to monitor them and to uh, to be able to say to the business that even though we allow you to do power apps, because you know you can't really turn it off for anybody, can you? No. It just doesn't turn off. No. It's uh, There are ways of controlling it in your MS teams and you know taking away from there by not adding the app and stuff like this, but Microsoft want you to use your... Uh, the, the amount of usages and things you buy. Yeah, and also I think for the for the next few years, I think that no-code, low-code is going to be a, a pretty important topic. I, I think we're, I mean, I think I'm definitely too old to be of a, of a generation where I would even think about doing that. But, you know, if you look at students now, and even you, uh, even me, hour, but, you know, you talk about your 20-somethings, they're, they're, smart enough and clever enough to be able to make the most out of these things and make them yeah, work. Yeah, but also everybody's now used to working in teams, for example, and they might want to see what would be the next step. Yeah. That all. I agree with you, but do you do that before lists? Or do you do that before... <laughs> or is that a different podcast? It's a different podcast. It That's is, a yes. different episode, Yes. But it it is true. I think that, um, yeah, I like it. It's a nice process. It's not too complicated. Mm -hmm. It's five or six levels, starting off with that initial baseline talk, making sure that when you get to the point where there's no governance in place to help you, you go and write the governance before you move on yeah. because you will be there again. Um, and, uh, yeah, categorize it, work out what the best way forward is, make sure you've got an owner, understand the life cycle of the workflow and uh, the app and then get on and yeah get start on building it. hand it over hand it over to the project manager yeah cool. cool so where are we on time we're at a perfect time to actually take a breath and drink a whiskey good let's do that let's do that All are right. you talking or am I talking and you're pouring um, why don't you introduce what we're drinking I and will I will pour. That. We are drinking the whiskey from my barber. Yes, let's do that one. All right. It's a very red whiskey because it's finished in a bird, uh, Bordeaux red wine cask. It is from our very, very special distillery, Deanston's. We've been here before. This is the distillery that actually is on the side of the river. Um, and it uses the river water, obviously, to uh, create the whiskey. But it also uses the water to generate the electricity, so it's self-supporting. And, um, I, yeah, you just keep readjusting it, my friend. Um, but So the Deanston's whiskey we like. We've, um, we've got the virgin oak. Is the virgin oak we tasted a few weeks ago? So that is their standard task from the virgin oak this one is a rather special one limited edition we also tasted a 12 year old yes we did yeah none of them are bad and we always come to the conclusion that this is a drinking man's whiskey yes it's kind of sits there it gets drunk it uh yeah you know, yeah 
Absolutely. But this is unusual for them. I think this is unusual for them. They have some very weird whiskies. I mean, their centenary you can only get from the distilleries made from a whiskey from four different 10-year periods. So bit of 70s, bit of 80s, bit of 90s, bit of Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sort of uh, rather, rather cool. Okay, there okay. So here we go. So this is the Deanston's uh, nine-year-old Bordeaux Red cask matured so it uh so yeah. it's not just red wine it is bordeaux cask it's a bordeaux red nice. wine yes yeah. so okay. it's actually french yes so the yeah uh, absolutely the color is the first thing you immediately notice you've not stuck it under your nose yet i've just done that you're oh. gonna go <gasps> mm. it is isn't it i only had a quick uh, to be honest i really like red wine casks yeah i have a few at home not red wine casks, but whiskies that were matured in red wine casks. Finished cask. in red wine casks. And uh, I have to say, I really like the 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 complexity that they bring. Yeah, yeah. I uh, like the nose of them. They're, yes. they're brilliant. We, d- we did an Irish one once that had been done in a French wine cask. That was superb. Yeah, absolutely. Really, I couldn't get yes. another bottle of that. I yeah. tried to find one of that and uh, yeah. it, it went. I can also remember that uh, tealing that we have, the Peter tealing... That was finished in the Sauterne cask. That was then a white wine, but still. Yeah, my more God. sweeter. Mm. Well, this is red, and you can yes. certainly find it in the color. Mm-hmm. It's got an elegant, I don't know how to describe that, elegant amber. It's, uh, we're just working out what pets are going to go in or out, or out and in. Yeah. None of them. They're thinking there might be some food here. Don't worry. Ah, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right, yes. the nose. Uh, let me tell you what the official line says, or at least from uh, whiskey consultants. Uh, cook, cooking fruits, warm apples, red fruits, spicy wood, and cracked pepper on the nose. Okay, so a peppery, spicy nose then. The pepper is good because it does <coughs> take your breath away. I don't have a lot of spice on there. Well, it's it's not that Christmassy spice. I, no, no. But it, I, but it has got a bit of harshness on the nose. I think yeah, that's what they're true. probably referring yeah. to. And there is a bit of that stewed fruit. It's not overly sweet though, which it's is quite nice. Su- no, it's not sweet, but it's there's something stewed in there. Something with a little of honey. It's more, yeah, no, caramelized. Not the right word, but something I think it's that cooked apples. It's stewed yeah, apples. Might be something like that. Yeah. But it's a nice nose. It's the kind of nose that would stop me drinking it for for a while. And as just I'm just enjoying smell it. And it yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, that harshness is there. I, I'm going to put some water in this one. I'm going to drink half and put a water in because I think, yeah. actually, you it, know, we normally mm, said it would take the edge away. It might actually bring out a better nose. It might be. It might bring out that spice in the nose. Yeah. We've, saw, we've seen that or we smelled that a few times yeah. already, yeah. You're going in. Oh, I see your eyes lit up. No, but not in a good way. Oh, oh, oh. Whoops. First taste is harsh. It's not spicy. It's uh, it's got a nice finish, nice chili kind of finish, but but that first taste is a bit harsh. I think the second taste in a minute might be better. It describes it as warm and full, dry and fruiting. A fair amount of red uh, currants. I get the warm and the fruity part, but I get tons of spice. 
Uh, I find, first. yeah, it's yeah. very, it is very dry though. Mm-hmm. Like a good Bordeaux. Yeah. Like, I was just thinking <laughs> the same. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, it's it's not bad. I definitely like it. Is it instance? It yes, uh, but it is. It's it does have a lot of of that spice uh, in there with a little a little bit of salty spice as well. Second taste is better. Once the shock's over and done with. Finish is quite nice. It's a medium finish. Still, I have a lot of that salty... Salty, definitely. I think it's probably the saltiest whiskey I've... And that's what probably takes out that um, moisture in your mouth. Mm. That leaves you with that dry taste. um, I'm guessing it's a lot of that uh, salty flavor. It's a really good question. Would you buy a bottle? Mm. I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure. It actually reminds me of my uh, my new bottle of Bunnehaven that I have, <laughs> which is also very salty. Thank you. Which is also very salty, and, and that's actually the part I don't like. Yeah, and I believe that's also a red wine cask. It is also a red wine cask. Oh wow! That so it might Buna. be something to listen out mm. for. Then. Okay, okay. Well, we've dropped a bit of water in this. It it does improve the nose. It allows those fruits to come out. So the red fruits, the kind of spicy yeah. fruit, is there now. It's not lost I in that harshness. Don't get any spice on the nose. What do you What do you see by spice? I mean, spice for me is is anything from pepper to chili to Christmas. Yeah, that I oh, don't well, get I, any. I got that. To start I don't with. get any chili, uh, peppery. No, thing. no. But that's nice. I can the the red fruits are really heavy once you drop the water in. True. Yes, that nice. current black currants mm. and 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 cool. berries, definitely there. Yeah. So what does that do on the taste? Actually makes me think I might buy a bottle. Oh, wow. Okay. Good. Do we, do we know if this is a... It's it's not cask strength, but it's not 40% either, so... Uh, I don't know. I have a feeling I have read that it's at cash strength. I might be right. Yeah, 58.7. That, ex- that explains why we're feeling that. This oh, is yeah. lovely. Yes. If you put a drop of water <laughs> in there, it actually kills a lot of that chili saltiness. Yeah. Well, it, no, it kills the saltiness but leaves the chili there because that's just warming me nicely. I think that this is a very different whiskey with a couple of drops of water in. It, it really is. is. It is. So you could basically buy, buy this bottle and it would go a long way because you're di- diluting it all the time. Oh, I can. Yeah, you know something. Mm. I, I we've described whiskies as fireside whiskies before, but inevitably they're kind of peated and and stuff. There, I, there's virtually no peat in this at all, but it is definitely a nice warming winter kind of you know autumn. That's the right period of time. Autumn whiskey. Autumn whiskey. Very cool. I, I think I would. Nah, I don't think so. I don't think I would go for a full bottle. 
No, but it, I like the idea mm. of putting the water in. Very nice. Anyway, there we go. So, Deanston's 2008. It's nine years old before it's bottled. Um, very fruity all round. Uh, a bit salty um, on the taste uh, and on the nose can be a bit harsh. But uh, add a bit of water and it transforms it into something very different. But I think we'll put this one down as undecided. Yes. Undecided. Yes. Just a little bit like our workflows. Yes. Do you like that? Yeah, that's a nice segue. Yeah. Yeah, nice segue. <laughs> we took a different subject. We uh, we kind of just pretended to be consultants. Um, yes. We never said For it depends change. once yet. Do you know that? No. Actually, a... we didn't. No. Anyway, oh. but basically we see four basic steps here so that initial talk that chat to get a baseline of of what the um uh, what workflow the user is. wants yeah yeah it's interesting what the user wants have we talked about the user at all no no nah. okay because the user never knows what they want yeah true that's actually something we didn't talk about because i think part of our skill set is to get out of the user what they think they want to be able to turn it into some kind of reality and help mm-hmm. them understand what By it can actually deliver. Asking the right questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that that is key. Yeah. And then we kind of, although there's probably other levels, but we kind of took one end, which is a corporate kind of external application with big external customer audiences, is one kind of workflow and application, and then the other side is that internal app, and they both have different kind of requirements and questions that we kind of need to obtain. And uh, uh, Lifecycle was key to all of them. So yes. the, the workflow and the application lifecycle mm-hmm. is, is key. Yep. I always like it when uh, you can put an age on it. So if you can say, yeah, well, we think it'll last for 18 months and then we'll need to move on and do something else. Mm-hmm. Because that way, at least you know you've not got a consistent work, uh, update and support yeah. it and make sure yeah. it works with you know yeah. and you can also you can also put a value on it because if Correct. you say we've got it for 18 months so that probably means 300 runs if we're going to build it for 3000 uh, euros that means 30 uh, euro per run yeah are you happy with that cost that's true i like that i like mm. that very much um but I, but I think in terms of, of knowing uh, where that life cycle is, because what you have to remember is every workflow you build has a cost in terms of your operations yes. and support and all that. And I'm, I know that we think, yeah, I have so many tickets and there's a cost associated with it. But at some point, your operations organization can only support a certain number of applications, you know, because of the amount of upgrades and changes and, and that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, from an IT director's perspective, you need to be sort of very careful that you don't end up taking on 75 power apps written by users um, and, and, yeah, that True, will eventually come your way. Then again, if you say that your power platform is going to be your main platform that you want to build stuff on and you get a proper team to not only build stuff on it but also to manage it and that might it also down. drive your costs down it and drive do. your risks down and your compliance up and, and and that will work well for any organization that is well that is process driven yes and and, yes. and it has to be process driven mm-hmm. you can't otherwise you end up with you know a thousand little workflows all doing something that only gets run twice a year yeah etc mm-hmm. etc yep. uh, but if you've got a good 
Heineken were a great process organization. So they were able to work out how to get from sand to tins and put beer in it and sell them in bars. So a lot of the workflows and stuff were very much around that process. When things dropped into a finance process or mm-hmm. moved into a research and development process or moved back to a sales process. It's very cool. But you kind of have got to have a, a big picture on all that and work out yep. where it fits in place. Mm-hmm. So yes, you're right. Process is done. It's a minefield, really, isn't it? This, I mean, if you think about it, the, it's so complex. The, you know, the the variables and the options and the choices mm-hmm. for uh, developing any kind of workflows, you kind of got to put some level of control into it somehow. So, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. only allowing people, for example, to have the Power Automate app on MS Teams if they take on certain responsibilities yeah. and acceptance. so It's the same thing with SharePoint. Yeah. Do you want to have, give people the uh, capability of creating their own SharePoint sites yeah. or libraries or yeah. adding content types or adding metadata or whatever? Yeah. And, of course, we can back off to our conversations on the last podcast about personas and which yes. personas need to create workflows, mm-hmm. which personas need to yeah. or even have the depth of knowledge in the organization to be able to even think about it do you want to provide training to those people do you want to give them some kind of driver's license after they pass the test that they know that you know that they can actually build a proper workflow so does that mean we we got this a little wrong no that means we've got something to talk about on our next episode (laughs) but but i was just thinking that you know, maybe we have two clear processes here. That kind of app process, which has a fixed kind of, you know, process and governance, but also that kind of no-code thing. Yeah. So maybe, I think so. Yeah. maybe we need to think about it as a yeah. separate process. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Oh, well, that was actually more interesting than I thought it was in the end. Even though I did say workforce instead of workflow. Yeah, well. And you have to drive, so you finished your whiskey, but hey, I still have a little drop here. Cheers. See how the water uh, actually makes a change on that. But that was quite fun. Good. Number 90, over and done with. Nice. All right. Cool. Thank you, dear listeners. And as always, Steve, you will say the goodbyes. I will. Am I going to say the last word or are you going to have the last word? Yeah, you you go. All right. Say goodbye to everybody then. Bye-bye. Bye. not millennials. We are matured. Steve may be more than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel.